Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we cover part two of The War on Normal People by Andrew Yang. Hey guys, happy Super Bowl Sunday. What a day for us to be in the booth. Uh, this is the co-host, uh, Nick Kleitch, uh, and with me as always, uh, Cole Szynski and Jeremy Machino. Uh, gentlemen, how are we? Nick, um, our, listener, or, yeah, our listeners will go ahead and hear this on Tuesday, but yeah, for, for the guys that don't know, we do record Sundays, so tonight we see Tom Brady face off against Patrick Mahomes. I got Mahomes by a couple points, but... If that's here or there, I'm super excited to get into the booth. We're uh, we're gonna pound out another episode of Andrew Yang, the War on Nor- Normal People, and I'm I'm super excited to get into this. I was just gonna say, Jeremy, I agree. I uh, it it is fun that Super Bowl Sunday's here. Obviously, sad football is leaving, but nonetheless, I think we have some awesome stuff uh, that Nick, myself, and you have all come up with reading this book, The War on Normal People, and. Um, I think we'll have a really solid, quick conversation, get in, get out for the, the, the State Street residents and uh, have some pretty impactful stuff. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah. And to your point, Jeremy, I uh, just for the sake of the conversation would prefer if Tom does win one more uh, just so he can end any debate that is potentially debatable. Um, but I love Patrick and I know he's going to have a lot of long-term success in the NFL. So like you said, that's neither here nor there. Let us get into the second portion here of Mr. Yang's book. So Mr. Yang is, uh, going and and providing a lot of examples in this portion of the book of where areas of large weakness or examples of large weakness for where we are as a society. And uh, some of them I will say are are pretty dramatic and drastic um, as he's just trying to make a point or maybe set the stage for his solutions in the future here. Um, But this specific topic that we're going to talk about is kind of a conglomerate of a couple different items. So uh, we had talked a little bit about automation and how that might be stealing or or re-evolutionizing. Um, the uh, the workforce in a couple of different spaces, but um, Cole, as we had talked off air, um, we're we're at a very unique time in history where maybe the traditional college route um, is not as attractive, or there's just so many more different avenues now for people to either monetize their activity or build their brand. Well, it it is an interesting concept that that we read kind of in the first portion of this and um you know that's one thing that i was thinking about when i was reading through this i was thinking kind of just about my my college journey and you know obviously there's a financial side to that which you want to be smart about and there's the whole idea of picking a major and okay what do i want to what do i want to study for 4 years or what do i want my studies to be focused on how am i going to turn that into a career and really like the question of, is this really preparing me for life after school? And, um, it's kind of funny. Like we talked about that six months after college, right? How it's awkward and you're looking for a job and it's just adjusting to adult life. I have to be honest. Like I didn't necessarily feel college prepared me just for like adult life. I think we've talked about that a number of times. Um, but we are at a really unique point where it's like, is college still the best route or the best option for people coming out of high school and looking to really kickstart their adult lives after studying those kind of last four years. Um, because like you mentioned kind of at the end there, 
branding and, and building a brand is something that is so, so prevalent in today's world. And I think, Nick, like you said, we were talking about social media has been a big influence in that. Social media started as a way to just keep connected with people. You know, that's like when my mom and dad, I remember like when my mom got Facebook for the first time, it was a big deal that she could reconnect with people from high school and just see what was going on see what they had kids, see where they were living, what they were doing for a job. And now business is literally done on social media sites. And it's, it is very beneficial, but it's also kind of built this idea of, okay, my social media platform now is a way to build my brand and everybody. And, and you know, we, we talk about it, Nick, you say it whenever we have a guest on, we give voice to the normal person, right? Everybody has a brand because we all have different unique experiences and, and life adventures and different journeys that we're all on. And so every person has their own brand. It's just a matter of, are you monetizing it? Is it like, can you sell your brand? And I think that's something we're seeing because of the massive emergence of business being done on social media. Yeah, and I, I want to go off on the point about college too and, and how it doesn't really prepare you. And I wish Andrew Yang would have touched on that we're entering the certification era where you no longer have to go mm. to college to get educated. I can go enroll in a 12-week boot camp for just basic entry-level coding, pay like 500 bucks, and learn everything I need to know to do basic-level coding at a job. And if I want to get more and more in-depth with it, I just go do more certifications. And if you can prove that you've learned stuff and that you're capable of doing the things the company wants, why even go to college now? Like, you can literally just take that what 30 i think he said what $35,000 was like the average debt out of college average yeah you can literally just probably cut that down to like 5,000 if you're doing certifications and want to get to like as much knowledge as you can so i really wish you would have go- gone into saying that there is now a, like a different route instead of college well and to your point too i mean you can cut down that student debt and then you don't even have the student loan interest right that's kind of one of the big problems that people have is okay, the student loans that they take out are big loans. And then the interest is really what kills it, it, That's what kills you because those interest rates get to be so high. And once that really kicks in, that, that gets to be something that it, it is very, very difficult to pay off. And, um, I think Jeremy, I think you're on the right track. And I think a lot of people too, you know, getting jobs in the trade, like the trade industry, getting, you know, a, getting certified or, or working to become an electrician, or, you know, my brother does tool and die. And it's like, he's in trade school. You're not in a business school or a traditional like school setting, but it, it really is just as effective. And, and, um, almost now the placement rate of those jobs is a lot higher than just coming out with a, a finance degree or a business degree or, or kind of something standard that you would normally think of when you're thinking of college education. Well, and the point that I, or we had talked about where I disagree in some capacities with Andrew is that he's addressing the gap, which is fair enough, but what all this social media and automation has also done is create an opportunity at the, at the same time. So as much as we are quote unquote being eliminated or the future may revert to AI, this is going to create and has created a plethora of different avenues for people that can find new evolved jobs. Um, I mean, there are people literally, uh, both in boys and girls that, you know, have used social media alone to become millionaires. So, uh, it are the, the classic maybe manufacturing and, and industrial jobs going away. Yes, but that's just how the natural course of evolution is going with the new available platforms. 
Um, and then to, to the, your guys' point too, um, he had talked quite a bit about how things are becoming more of an individual interest rather than people buying into the collective good. And I think a reason for that is for all the things that we've touched on. I mean, college, coming out of college with a lot of debt, uh, having to potentially live at home to save money, uh, that'll definitely strike the ego pretty hard, uh, you know, for all the, the young folks trying to get out and, and make a name for themselves professionally. Um, and then, yeah, just some of the, the whole aura around that process has just really, um, I don't know, it's as much as it is making him nervous, it's also where is the opportunity and where are the greener pastures? Well, and it's... It is kind of a tough thing because college and the college experience is, it's almost a tradition, especially like for some families. You know, there are a lot of families that their parents met in college and they had a really great college experience. And because of that, you know, son or daughter, or maybe both wants to go to the same college as mom and dad and kind of carry on that legacy. And they want to have the four-year experience of going to college and, you know, turning 21, meeting new friends, doing, you know, maybe having that job in college or playing a college sport like the three of us did. Like, there are things that are traditions or that you want to carry on just because of, of fond memories. But that's kind of, that's kind of what we're talking about is like, is it worth the financial burden that you do take on and then ultimately have, you know, these these loans and the debt to pay back when in reality, you know, as a middle 20 something like we are, we should be kind of taking risks and seeing what's going to hit. What's, what's a flop? What, what are we capable of? What can we learn? What can we really do? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? And can we build on the strengths? Can we build on the weaknesses? And, um, so it, we, especially the three of us doing this podcast, we're in a, we're kind of in this age group that this is kind of designed or talked about or centered around. And, um, a a lot of it is how you spin it and, and your view on the world. And, and I won't even throw in politics, but, um, there, there are a lot of different things, but it is kind of interesting to be literally like we're living this. And a lot of the people who listen to this, I I would say, or imagine are kind of in that same boat. Well, even if you want to go down the traditional route of going to college, you can do what me and Colden and go to community college. Like that is a godsend where like it's so much cheaper to go to community college and if you can prove you're a good no doubt if you can prove you're a good student in community college um colleges will literally pay you more than they'll pay freshmen to come like come to their school like me and cole experienced it firsthand we got massive scholarships for just being good community college students so the opportunity is out there if you want to take a risk on yourself and go to community college you will come out so much more with or you'll come out with so much less debt it's just going to be unbelievable. Well, and to kind of pull us out and remain in a very strategic or high-level vantage point, he's stating that we've we've come to an era of time where this is, I can't, please correct me if I'm wrong here, gentlemen, uh, the least amount of businesses that are, or startup businesses that are coming out. So essentially, I think what he's trying to refer to is that we're non-entrepreneurial and very individual. Uh, but I think a lot of that is because we've recognized there is a little bit of an issue here. Do we actually want to come out with 40K in debt? Do we want to live at home? If we did want to start a business, um, what does that look like? And and I'm I'm hoping and and we as a collective, I think we're just doing we're doing those things. We have the self awareness as these issues arise. Uh, but also, like I just hope that that doesn't diminish on um, what can be created. So, being able to be entrepreneurial in college is, 
I don't know. There, there is more risk doing it, but I still love that people are out there. And in fact, some of the folks that are out there are our partners over at Driftless Quality Wear. Uh, these are two guys that uh, are doing an excellent job, created their own brand. And um, a lot of the things that they're doing now uh, are super cool and relatable. In fact, they have some some new summer line clothing that is coming out here. I'm not going to reveal any of the, the product launch at this point. Uh, and along with that, uh, we've just enjoyed being their partner. So uh, again, guys, if you want to go onto their website and get a gamut of things and save some cash, you can go ahead and type in State Street Pod at checkout and get that 10% off. Um, which I definitely think is a hell of a deal. I don't know, Jeremy, would you agree with that? Yeah, it absolutely absolutely is. And and there's a couple things that we want to highlight about Driftless because they've been doing a great job. The first thing is since the start of 2020 in March, they've initiated the Corona cleanup. And for every item they sell, they have pledged to remove one pound of trash from state parks and wildlife areas. Currently, they've removed over uh, 1,600 pounds and the cleanup is going great. And now that the pandemic is uh, starting to subside, it's not really subsided all that much. They're going to start doing this more often. And the second thing I want to highlight about Driftless is they're starting doing a, a subscription. This is a cool evolution for them too, because they've done a great job of like social media and, and bringing people in over at Driftless Quality Wear, but they haven't necessarily done a personal subscription uh, to some of the deals that they have going out. So uh, Jeremy, I appreciate you uh, catching up and, and helping me out on that, but we're super excited. But one of the uh, the more unique standout topics here that in some sense, Andrew is, again, addressing, but he is trying to make a point is that for men, especially, there has been an evolution of job, like the jobs that they are going to get in the past compared to the jobs now. So that whole like blue collar, white collar mentality of how you know, when we came out of the industrial revolution, that was kind of the, the majority of the men going out, being, working with their hands. And obviously over time that has evolved, but we're getting to the most unique time because as much as those jobs are very essential now, what is the new window? What does it mean to be a man in 2021 with all this availability on social media and like that traditional, like manhood of chopping a tree down is like a little bit gone. I don't know if you guys would agree with that or not. Well, it's interesting to talk about this, and, and Jeremy's got something, so I'll try to be brief, but it's it's interesting to talk about this because the first thing that comes to mind is like my grandpa, right? Growing up, my grandpa, or not even growing up, but my grandpa working, he was a roof, he was a roofer. And so he would be he would work up on roofs and and like literally do roofs and it and he would talk to my brother and I about how how much labor how labor intensive it was and how much work went into that and how strong you physically had to be and how tough you had to be because you were dealing with stuff that was hot or you had to carry stuff that was heavy from down off the roof and from the ladder and and you become callous to it and and it is real rough work and while we still have you know you still have roofers or you still have blue collar jobs there's technology that can aid those jobs or make those jobs a little bit easier. Maybe they can take away a part of the process. And that's kind of what you see with automation that Andrew Yang talks about. And so, yeah, it's the, it really is like, what, what's going to happen to blue collar? And obviously you're always going to have blue collar jobs. You're always going to have the white collar jobs, but there, there will just be a shift. And I think we've talked about that last episode and that's something Jeremy mentioned. Um, but that's just like, that's like the first thing that comes to mind. And it's like, okay, like, am I, am I a man in my grandpa's eyes compared to, you know, what he did? Cause I'm not <laughs> up on the roof, you know, in negative degrees and, and, you know, 
putting shingles on or, or roofing with like the tar and everything. Uh, but so it is kind of an interesting idea. And it's like, how is that shifting? And, and part of that is automation. Part of that is like, we're just becoming more efficient. We're finding better ways and better techniques to do these blue collar jobs. We're able to do them faster, get them done in larger quantities. And part of that is thanks to automation. We can think that, that we don't have to have, you know, a team of roofers up on a roof in negative degree weather. I mean, part of that can be helped out. And, uh, but yeah, I digress. Jeremy, I know you had something, so go ahead. He also brings up another point, and this is one of the few times I really actually agree with Andrew, and it's the, the video game portion where video games are literally disincentivizing people to go out and get jobs. They're, they feel more rewarded if they can play a video game than go out and work 40 hours because they'll have that instant gratification. That's something I actually really do agree with because I saw it firsthand in college. And um, it's weird because you can see the new generation of people will prefer going playing video games over college. And when I was a, a student assistant for uh, the software engineering department, I like I literally saw this. I had to grade some of these tests, and like you would ask them why they didn't do their homework, and they're like, "Oh, I was streaming," and I was like, "I would have never thought to like I would be like skip homework to stream a video game," and they're like, "Well, I'm gonna do it as a job," and like they literally think that it's a viable job to play video games now, and in in real all reality, it's not because so many people do it, and it's it comes back to that instant gratification part where they're they think they can do something when in all reality, it's, it's just two hours of, you know, it makes you feel good. And then you have no money and you're chilling out in your parents' basement. So it's something that I actually personally think is a big problem is, is the video games. And we're getting to a point where it's like, it's more incentivizing to not work and just chill in your parents' basement. Well, and, and me and Cole had talked about this a little bit off air where so in some sense, I will agree with how you can become distracted and kind of indulge in these games when you're not trying to go out and get a job. However, there's never been a time in history when these have been more accessible. Um, and so like, Cole, we were talking about how your dad would go and play Pac-Man. Just elaborate on that story a little bit, because I think it's very relevant for this portion. Well, I think that the the biggest change, and I and I think this this is I'm saying this, and this is very obvious. I think Jeremy will like agree, and I think most people would agree with me. The capability and the availability of video games has blown up since you know, like I said, yeah, like my dad was going to the arcade. My dad always told us how he would go to like the it was like a Taco Bell maybe or a Taco John's that had like the Pac Man and the Donkey Kong like original arcade game, right? And it was like the quarters that's evolved now to a point. It's like you have a PS4 or an Xbox that it's all encompassing in terms of you can play video games on it. You can watch Netflix and TV on it. You can watch your movies on it. You there, it's an internet browser. You can play music off of it. And it's kind of become this one-stop shop for your multimedia, for your entertainment and even just for, you know, a lot of times background noise, if you throw music on or you're listening to Netflix in the background and the availability to, you know, the video game portion is always there. And it's very easy then it once you indulge that to maybe lose track of time. And so I think it's just more of a, it, I think the big problem is allocation of time and where are people allocating that time? Are they allocating that time to playing video games? And, and obviously, yes, you can stream kind of like Jeremy mentioned and it, at this point, I would say a lot of people would be late to the game if they're just starting that. Obviously, it's possible. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say you can't do anything. If you full like if you dive in and, and you're able to make money off it, more power to you. Like I'm jealous of you. 
I'll probably never do it, but I also suck at video games. So that's a side note. Uh, but I think it's an allocation of time. It's like, how much time are you going to spend on that gratification, on that entertainment, when you could be spending it, you know, uh, doing something productive, finding that job, maybe getting a few hours, maybe picking up a shift at even just like working restaurants. I know they're not necessarily all open right now, but you pick up a shift and make a few, make a hundred bucks working a shift at a restaurant or um, doing something that, yeah, maybe you're going to make a little money or maybe you're going to better, you're going to sharpen that saw a little bit more as we talk about. Well, we're, we're getting to the point where video games are the most lifelike they've ever been too. So yeah. Like you can literally live out in a, a different life, a more, more happy, more successful life in a video game than your own life. Like I remember when I first picked up Grand Theft Auto Five, I was like just blown away at like the Xbox One graphics, and and we're already past that generation of Xbox. We have the new PS Five and the Xbox One where they have the 4K or I think up to 8K graphics, and it's just like, at what point does it get to a point where you're like some people will start getting lost in these because their lives get tur- or get caught up in these because they feel more successful and more um, just driven to play a video game because it makes them happier. And, and that's a really big problem. Well, and the, the, the one thing I think of, and it kind of makes me laugh, so I'm not saying this from a place of, of disdain or, or dislike, but it just kind of makes me laugh. Like when we were in college, you guys, you know, Fortnite was like the big thing. And I can just imagine, I would love to have a survey or like see the numbers on how many... How many athletes, college athletes, male and female, were late to a practice or late to a weight session or maybe didn't show up at all because they had to finish a game of Fortnite or, or a game of like whatever any of those other like forms of Fortnite are. And I, it, it's, it's so vivid because it's like you do find success and the euphoria of winning in a, in a, in a game like that is very, very gratifying. And there is a sense of accomplishment when doing so. But then it's like, oh crap, I've been doing this for four hours and like, oh shoot, like I'm going to be late to weights or I'm going to be late to practice or I'm not going to be able to get my homework done or I'm going to have to stay up till one in the morning just to get my homework done. And so that's where I kind of tie it back to, it's like the, it's the allocation of time. And I think video games, because Jeremy, like you said, they're getting more lifelike. It's much easier to immerse yourself in for longer periods of time. Well, now, now even think about you're getting gratification once every what 20 minutes if you're like a good at Fortnite or once every hour now imagine a job you're getting gratification a a job that you don't really like you're getting gratification once every two weeks in the form of a paycheck right what sounds more enjoyable right video games because you're and, and now that people can literally live at home as long as they want what's what's the point about getting a job when you can be happy once once every hour compared to once every two weeks well and to drive home the point on what we're kind of just discussing at length here is first and foremost from our grandparents time until now it went from not even having the ability to play video games to there are people many people that have created an actual form of income to play that so can you ridicule these kids for wanting to go that route of video gaming for their profession? Yes and no, because it's actually possible now in today's world where it wasn't, you know, back in our grandparents' days. So that was the first point. The second point is you're absolutely right, Jeremy, especially if you're not happy in your current workplace. Why wouldn't you want to go and indulge in these things and watch Netflix and Hulu? And uh, guys, I don't know if you knew this, but they create them to be addicting. Not sure if that was uh, a <laughs> not sure if you guys do that or not, but I'll throw that out there as well, too. But um, yeah, it's just such a 
I'm very blessed that we're able to to talk about this this point of view because we really are at a very unique time. And I'm I mean, with VR coming out too, who knows what the future holds there? Oh, it's fun. It's fun. I have one. I have a set like that, and it's it's so just like I got in early into the game, and it's just so immersive. Like I bet now with the new like more HD, more high definition, it just blows people's minds. Well, I was just gonna say so then. Given the time period, let's add 10 years. So automation kills trucking jobs, but does that now, can you now work from home through VR and be in a virtual meeting at home where you're completely present and you can speak to your coworkers in this little, you know, what, what do they used to call the Wii figures that you could make? A me. A me, yeah. So, like, maybe in the future, your me will go out to go to do the the, the meeting for you. I don't know. This is this might be a little crazy, but I I think there's actually opportunity there. Who knows? Well, and with with the with the with COVID nineteen and the pandemic, that's one thing I've even thought about. I mean, think about attending a sports game through like an Oculus. You know, the Oculus is the well, big that's our, VR that's already, thing, right? You can do that already, right? And just think about how more lifelike and 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 how how much better the experience can continue to get and how much more they can make you feel like you're actually in the stadium sitting in a seat rather than having to buy a ticket, drive to wherever, wherever the, the stadium or the arena or the field is at and be there, sit in the hot sun. When you can sit on your couch and be in the AC, you can cook your own food. You don't have to spend money on you know a $10 beer or a $6 hot dog. You can, you can do all of that while having the experience of actually being there simply on your couch. Yeah, we're still a little bit ways away from a like a pleasurable VR right. experience because like VR sickness is a real thing. I I know if I I have it on for more than thirty minutes, I start feeling really nauseous and really sick, just because um, basically the frame rate is is lower than what you usually process as a human. I think we're we usually process close. We can process up to about a thousand frames per second, where the VR headset's only sixty. So there's like a like kind of like a lag time, and and just it feels a lot slower than what it is, and it kind of makes your head. And, and everything feel really sick if you wear it too long. Mm-hmm. So we're still a ways away from like being able to wear these bad boys for eight hours a day because they're still heavy. They're still chunky. They give you some neck pain if you wear them too long and, and, and like you're, you get really bad headaches. So huge talk on gratification up to this point, right? Huge talk, or at least this last little portion, huge talk on gratification. One way, you guys, to get that feeling of gratification, maybe a little bit of a sense of accomplishment, Chi-Town Blankets. If you follow along with us on State Street regularly, you know they're awesome. We've partnered with them. We're so, so proud to be aligned with Dom, his board of executives over at Chi-Town Blankets. You guys, they're doing awesome work in the, the, the city of Chicago, um, giving out blankets to the people who are homeless. There's over 80,000 homeless people in Chicago. Uh, and so, you know, they have the newsletter, just like our guys over at Driftless, uh, Chi-Town Blankets has a newsletter you can subscribe to to get all the latest news, get the latest updates, kind of see what their initiatives are, what they're doing next, what kind of big news is, is off in the distance. And they do have some really, really big things. I actually just saw yesterday, yesterday being Saturday, uh, they just bought their first storage facility. They have so many blankets and so many donations, they had to go out and buy a storage facility to store all these just so they can house them and be able to take them out and get them on the streets to people who are in need of them. So uh, if you want to be one of those people that maybe maybe you buy a bunch of blankets, you make them fill up that storage facility and, and hopefully someday they, they get a second and, and get a whole fleet of them, uh, go to ChiTownBlankets.com. They've got a store on the website. 
that you can buy directly from there if you want to pick one out to your favorite color, design, maybe a certain style that you really love and you want someone else to feel that warmth and comfort. Um, otherwise, you can simply donate monetarily. Follow along, donate a sum of money, whatever you're feeling like. Get that, that sense of self-gratification. Do something great for someone in need kind of throughout these cold winter months uh, because everybody deserves to be warm. That's their initiative and we love, we love, we back it. We love it here on State Street. Uh, everyone deserves to be warm, especially in these cold weather months. Consider donating. So we've touched on evolution. We've touched on manhood. We've touched on uh, like new opportunities and whatnot. But this section or this last bit for Andrew, uh, I had a couple points that may cross the line a little bit as far as my personal opinion to what he's trying to address. And uh, there's no harm or foul either way here. But uh, we're talking about a lot of like where we are at and where we need to go. And I know on social media today, there's a lot of arguments between um, the minimum wage, disability, getting insurance and, and money for that, and um, the needs of America and, and people that truly need this support from the government. Massive topic of conversation um, in today's country. But uh, to what Andrew's point was that there's there's more people going through these programs for the government than ever before, and they're able to actually get the support, we'll say that they deserve or they need in the moment um, to be able to to keep above float, basically. And so uh, diving into that, uh, these are these are topics of conversation that um, obviously if you're you're someone that receives that, fair enough, we're not going to say it's either bad or good, but uh, I just thought it was interesting how he outlined some of the needs um, of people in going these certain avenues. Um, to get the compensation. And I'm sure this is a nice lead into where his, his solution is going to come in with uh, the universal basic income. Um, but it's interesting. Um, it's interesting how people are able to get on something like this and, and maybe not necessarily want to work off of it, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. And he, he actually brings up the point of where this kind of brings in Democrats versus Republicans. One, one side sees the other is they're on disability, but they may not need to be on it. And they're getting paid just as much as these guys for not even working. And that's really what angers people. And for me, I think looking forward, I don't know if universal basic income is the best, but we have to somehow incentivize these people to get off of disability because it's, it's not meant to be for massive amounts of people. Like, do we do we target just the the people that are on disability or in um, unemployment to you know maybe here's a here's a lump sum of money if you can get off of it and get a job and like I like personally I don't need a thousand dollars just because I have it like I have a job and like I I'm completely fine I don't need a thousand dollars it would be like getting a thousand dollars a month without having to pay for it would be awesome but. I, I think I don't like need it. And there's, there's people that really truly need it that could uh, really benefit from something that would incentivize them to get it off of it, get off of like a, a government assisted program if they could get off one. Yeah. And I think you, you hit the head uh, of the nail there. The, the program and some of these things are, they're put in place for a specific reason. So if we get to the very core of why these things are actually implemented. So just for for people so that the minimum wage dollar is th this was put in place so then that the, that employers could not make people go to work and only pay them a certain amount of money so it was never intended to set the standard of living 
for what people make. It was more so so that employers could not like have you work 12 hours and then pay you $3. Like that is why the the rule is established. And so is there a, a huge gap between the income people make and how expensive the world is? I mean, absolutely, probably. I mean, I suffer from that myself paying student loans and, and what I make right now. But um, at the same time, it's like, where is the line being drawn? Because though we needed and, and should receive the support, when do we want to get back on our feet, so to speak, and move forward so we can get off of it? So then that way that money can get recycled back to those who need it. it I don't know if it was ever intended for you to permanently be on these programs. This is something that, that I think a good example is actually 2020, kind of the year that we had, right? A lot of people, unfortunately, due to COVID, due to businesses shutting down or closing for good, lost their jobs because we were in a pandemic and because business in a lot of industries or in a lot of places around the country kind of came to a halt. And that is kind of the idea, at least in my mind. I mean, it's really my first exposure to dealing with, you know, all the programs that, that the government has as far as paying out stuff to people who are in need of it or being able to use or utilize or take advantage of the programs that, uh, that are at our disposal as American people. Um, but, you know, there is, there is a part, you know, me, I can, I, I'm going to speak only for myself when I talk about this and whether you agree with how it was handled or the amount or whatever, that's, that's semantics. That's for another conversation that we don't want to have, but it, I was incredibly thankful that, you know, when I was laid off for a short period of time, like I had, a, I, I was able to fall back a little bit on it and it wasn't complete panic mode, right? It was like, Hey, it's going to be okay. A lot of people are going along, are going through this alongside you. There were millions of Americans that were in the same boat. And that's exactly what things are designed to do and what it's designed to help and what, what it's designed, designed to benefit. Um, and so, you know, 2020 was a great example of the, the general idea of how this is supposed to be used, how it is supposed to be taken advantage of. And, um, obviously there, there, there are ways and, and people that, um, uh, will take advantage of it the wrong way and, and, uh, do maybe do things that aren't morally correct or against the law or whatever, you know, whatever the, the requirements are, they may not meet them and try to bend the rules. That's a fact of life. I mean, uh, you know, doing bad things is, is in our nature as people. Uh, but I, I, I just think that 2020 was a good example, uh, at least for me, being my first exposure. It's like, this is what it was intended for. I'm someone I want to get back to work. I want that sense of accomplishment at the end of a long work day. I crave that. I, I physically crave that. Just getting a paycheck doesn't necessarily always feel right to me. I'll take it as, as the incentive or as the benefit or, or just to help me get through kind of a really tough time for our whole, our country as a whole. Um, but I, I still crave like that feeling at the end of the workday being around, you know, my coworkers, being in an office or whether, or even just the zoom things like those are okay too. I don't mind those. Um, but I, I just, I, I feel like that's a good example. And obviously, like I said, my first exposure, a lot of our first exposures being people that are young in our careers, a lot of people in entry level jobs or in just kind of like those middle ground jobs, like in the service industry or, um, you know, what, what you may have, but Nick, go ahead. I know you're, you're itching to talk over there. Yeah. So I, 
I think what's interesting, and I'm going to actually revert to the book and the case study here. So there was a gentleman that um, he had had a lot of physical bodily injuries just from playing sports in high school and in college, and he had a very labor-intensive job. And so he applied for disability just because you know they were like, okay, you know what, just do this just to see if you can get to support, and he was denied. And then he was able to bring a lawyer in um, and then get the disability. Uh, I think it was every month, maybe $1,200. And so my, my heart is a little bit torn because our, if that's the standard of what we decide as what is a disability function, I mean, I played sports in high school. My body's completely deteriorated. However, I mean, where is the line drawn of, of personal responsibility towards receiving that? Now, I'm sure he's not complaining, and it definitely helped out his financial situation, but I just I, w- I want to make sure that there is a thick line of separation between a situation like that and someone who is actually physically or mentally handicapped. Because I feel like if you're in that category, I can't speak on that. I don't have a, a daughter or a son or anyone in that category, but I uh, have known some folks and those people very seriously need support and it's for a rightful cause. So as a taxpayer, I'm okay to support that. But am I okay to support some of these other things? And again, that was just the case study example. But this was cool, and I'm glad you said it the way you did. Our first real flavor as a paying and law-abiding citizen on how some of these government programs roll out. Because as sensitive as it is to social media, these are real things that are going on today that our money is going to. So, um, But uh, yeah, other than that, boys, I mean, what a portion uh, here uh, that Andrew has overall just led us to. I think, Nick, you're right when you say, or, or maybe Jeremy said this, one of you said this, but like, I think we're kind of getting to that concept of universal basic income, and that's one that I think it's a really de- hot hot topic when it came to Andrew Yang, especially when he was running for president, right? Like That was a big conversation piece about whether you're voting for him, whether you're voting against him, whether you're, you're you know, where your support lies, and um, we are kind of like, he is trickling into that and whether you agree with it or whether you don't it's kind of completely irrelevant to this podcast um because i mean the the focus is we're studying right and like can we see the benefits can we see the disadvantages whether you agree or don't agree like look through a different lens look through the look look through a lens that's not your own and and see it through the eyes of someone who may rely on that or who may be in need of it um so we are kind of starting to trickle to that i'm sure people who are listening to this can can sense that and and sense that the book is going this way but um, there are a lot of good stories that he talks about. There are a lot of interesting examples and some of them can be on the extreme side, but they're also real problems. Everything we've talked about right. kind of within this time period, like, there are real problems happening. There are real people that need the help, whether, or real people that, uh, you know, think playing video games for a job, like is a realistic thing, whether it is or it isn't. Uh, that's up to that person and whether they want to make it happen. But these are real things. And they're, you know, they talk about how the, the, the non-gratification can lead to drug use or, or indulging, overindulging into alcohol or, or bad, ha- bad habits start forming. And uh, they're real problems. Like they are real problems that Andrew Yang does present. And so he's, I, I do appreciate the fact that he's trying to come up with a solution, whether you agree with it or not, completely up to, you know, it's subjective to each reader or to each listener. But uh it's been a really, really interesting book. It's been kind of an eye-opening book, to say the least. Yeah, and this is a little bit of a change of pace for us on State Street as well, too, because we've covered more maybe motivational, personal development type books. So this is the first one that we've really been able to debate on and read and disagree with. And 
uh, very applicable to again where our money is going and and how people running for Congress you know want to handle some of these uh, resolutions. But uh, nonetheless, I hope that this episode was super uh, sizzly for you guys uh, here on State Street. We have a magnificent guest coming up here in this this next week. But uh, without further ado, we've appreciated your time, and until next time, guys. 